Since times before history, we've been gathering around our fires to tell stories. Join us as we play through multiple role-playing game systems, looking for one that's the perfect fit for our next campaign, and hopefully showing you some options that are out there for your own games. Welcome to the Fireside Stories. Hello, Barbarians, and welcome to our session zero for the Expanse RPG. Hooray! <laughs> clap. <laughs> I try not to clap too loudly, but I'm super stoked for this because I love the Expanse. I mean, little known fact about me. Yeah. Huge fan over here. If so you have never listened to the podcast, then that is news to you. If you have ever listened to any episode of the podcast, that's probably not news because he talks about it a lot. So we have played some space erpigas before. Yeah. But The Expanse is a very definite universe. Yes. So, I mean, I know this is asking a lot of you, <laughs> but in a kind of concise way, can you describe what that setting is? Yeah, so about 200 years in the future, mankind has started to colonize the solar system. And it's a long slog, right? Because it takes a long time to get anywhere because space is huge, right? So Earth and Mars are about to, like, throw down. Basically, Mars is going to pull an America, and Earth is like, nah, son, we're Britain. And you can't pull an America. And, like, America, like, Mars is like, fuck you. And they're about to go to war, right? Well, a Martian by the name of Solomon Epstein invents a new kind of drive that just allows travel at way, way faster speeds so you can get across the solar system much faster. And Mars is like, all right, hold up a minute, hold up a minute. If we share this technology with you, then we could all get along. And so they sign treaties and accords and agreements and shit like that. And so now everything's cool fast forward 300 years we've colonized a lot more places like uh, ganymede and eros and phobos and um you know all sorts of jovian moons and asteroids and stuff like that so now you have this political climate where you have three factions earth mars and the belt which also includes further out shit and so it's all about the political intrigue of travel between all those colonies and all the politics of those three major governments and all the trade that happens. So that's your main setting. Enter the storyline of the expanse where mankind, after having settled the solar system over the course of about 300 years, circa 2,500 or so, uh, finds an extra solar object orbiting Saturn and we thought it was a moon, you know, we called it Phobos. Hello, barbarians. There was a little bit of confusion between Phobos and Phoebe here, but not enough that it should mess up anything. And turns out that uh, it's not. It's extrasolar, it's alien in origin, and it's not naturally occurring. Right, so we're getting a little bit into spoiler territory for those of you who are not familiar with the books or the show. Yeah. So let's not go too much further. Right. Well, that's where I was going to stop. 
Okay, so the basics is that we are at a point in human civilization where we have been able to reach out into the outer local solar system and colonize to the point where there are three major factional divisions of humans. The earthy folks, the Marsy folks, and then the belters, which are really the, the colonists. Yeah. If the, you want to think of it that way. The outer planets alliance. Right. So the adventure that we're going to be playing in the Expanse RPG, we are playing with the quick start, which links to it are in the description as always. And if you use our link, um, it is an affiliate link on drive through RPG. So if you decide to buy some fun stuff to go with that, there is a little tiny amount that goes back to us so we can buy new books. So always something to consider. And the Expanse and everything just came out. So that might be something that we would need to pick up. So good to know. So um, for those of you new to the podcast, this is one of our fireside stories. So normally these session zeros, I would say most of the time, are patron only. But for systems where we have a lot of setup to do or systems where there isn't character creation, we usually make those public so that it's easier for everyone to follow along. And so that's what we're going to be doing with this one. So since we're playing a quick start and character creation rules are not part of the quick start, you are playing one of the pre-generated characters for this adventure. Yes. All right. So before we get too far, everyone, I'm Rainy and I'll be running the game. I'm Santiago and I'll be enjoying Rainy running the game. He'll be enjoying being in the expanse, basically. That too. If you can't tell from the intro, he knows everything about it. Well, <laughs> about that. I was throwing out names and dates and all this kind of stuff. And the only one I'm 100% sure of is Solomon Epstein. I know he invented the Epstein drive, but as far as I, I'm pretty sure that happened around 2219. And I'm pretty sure the expanse is set about 2500. I'm pretty sure that Phobos was a Saturn moon that we thought was a moon and turned out to be extrasolar in origin. But I could be wrong. As we've established in our last edit, yes, yes, he was. So, you know, let me know down in the doobly-doo with comments and reviews and <laughs> and podcast responses, whatever you want to do, how wrong I am. Because I, I could be mistaken with some of that stuff. Because there's also Phoebe Station that features heavily in the Expanse. So I could be conflating some things, you know. Sure. But that was six books ago or something like that. So I think bad. it's, I mean, correct <laughs> enough for us to set the scene, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. Close in the adventure enough. that we're playing, it's um, much more, it's unrelated to any extra terrestrial life forms or intelligence. It's very much set in the everyday chaotic workings of these interfactional systems. Okay. 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 All right. And you are going to be playing one of the crew members on a transport vessel, functionally like a supply ship, um, called the Sommelier. Okay. All right. And um, our patrons got to vote to pick the character they wanted you to play. And I gave them very basic descriptions of each of the crew members. And they picked for you this one. I'm going to hand it oh, over. And we need a lot of fanfare and stuff like that because I have been waiting for this moment for a long time because I chose to not know. 
Yeah, know, that's true. You also, knew. You didn't have voting access, right. so you couldn't put and in I, a vote. <laughs> I put in a vote. I recused myself from the situation entirely so that I would not know what character I'm playing in this beloved setting until right now. So I am playing dun, 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 Chao Zhang Sokolov. That is correct. So that is my best attempt. It's C-H-A-O for the first name, and then... The, the middle name is Z-H-A-N-G, and Sokolov is S-O-K-O-L-O-V. So, he's got like a catchphrase quote. Don't try to move, just lie still. It'll be all right, I promise. So, right off the bat, yeah. looking at the character picture uh-huh. here. Okay, so with that quote, I'm like, medic, yeah. right? Tattoo on the wrist, split circle, OPA belter. So I'm playing a belter medic, I bet. Yep. So if you go down to the bottom of that front page, it'll have in the black bar is the um, summary description of that character. Okay. So go ahead and read that. I am a compassionate medic with a criminal past and the skills to match. Awesome. (laughs) I just want to say... I was so hoping to play a belter. I was hoping for a Naomi type where you're just scrappy. Because as a belter, you're just, you got grit already, you know. But I wanted to, you know, she's super scrappy and stands up for herself, doesn't take shit from anybody. And she's super, super smart. She's probably one of the best uh, engineers in the system. So I was hoping to play someone that capable and awesome. Now I'm playing the medic. And if we were doing a giveaway or something like that, it'd be a great chance to be like, what is the name of the medic in the pilot who was one of the original, you know, uh, Canterbury crew? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) No one But I could look it up. I could find out. And, you know, that would be great. That'd be a great trivia question. So our little adventure takes place on Ganymede Station. Okay. So what you'll notice on your character sheet, if we start looking at the background, is that's actually where you're from. So you're a local. background, okay. So that's on the front page. The description, yeah. First section, yeah, Mm -hmm, background. mm -hmm. So obviously you're a belter. You identified that based on the tattoo right away. Yeah. You were born on Ganymede, and you grew up there. So you're familiar with this. This is kind of your old stomping grounds. Your parents are pretty well off for belters. Your father is an engineering teacher. Your mother is a botanist. And then she got sick. Okay. You did okay in school, but you started to get into trouble. Got involved with the OPA. You know, like young belters do. Right. And you kind of developed a knack for being able to get around security. That's on the station. Nice. Eventually, that got you picked up by the authorities. The last time you saw your father was when he bailed you out. Okay. You haven't been back to Ganymede since. He bailed me out and then we kind of had a falling out or something? Yeah, he's disappointed in you because you didn't finish medical school. Oh. But I've started medical school. Yeah. You were were in school. Your your parents, you finished pre-med. Or you were finishing pre-med when you got into trouble. I see. And that's kind of where you stopped. Okay. You basically got a job as the medical person on a ship and are questioning 
whether or not you really support the OPA cause or not. You're kind of conflicted. I see. And so one of your character's traits is that you kind of vacillate between proudly displaying your tattoo and covering it up. Hmm. All right. Kind of depending on the situation and how you're feeling that day. So is my job, like, am I a medic? You are the medic on the ship. I'm the medic Mm -hmm. on the sommelier. So this isn't like a a huge ship. It just has one medic. So the crew is probably not super huge. No. There are seven crew members, I believe. Okay. Six crew members. There is. And the crew members are a decent mix. Since this is sort of like, you know, a for-profit ship, Mm -hmm. you have some Martians, some Earthers, some like ex-military types, um, and belters. You have a good mix of, of people on the ship that are working together. I do have relationships. Mm-hmm. And under that, just, I don't know, if I'm, if I'm jumping ahead here, just let me know. Mm-hmm. Smack me on the wrist. Figuratively, figuratively. Um, but relationships, I have the crew of the sommelier. So that's pretty cool. Yep. So your relationship rating with the ship is one. Because you'll notice it says crew of the sommelier, one. Right. I wondered about that. So once per game session, you can get one stunt point um, towards any stunt that you're trying to perform if it helps members of the crew. Now, we'll kind of bend that a little bit since you're the only active crew member. Um, But we'll kind of see, talk about how we might want to approach that. Okay? Okay. Because this does game does recommend... Four to seven people. <laughs> um, wow. We're okay. playing with two, obviously, a, a game master and, and a player, which they say you can do. There's not a lot of information about making that work, but from what I've read, I think we can make it happen. All right. So front side is your flavor text and mm-hmm. your character portrait. Back side are your skills, which I know you've already looked at a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Right under your origin and your social class, there's a blue bar that has kind of the general dice roll. And this is the die roll you'll use for pretty much everything. So it's 3d6 plus an ability score plus a focus bonus versus a target number. And that sounds complicated, but it's not as bad as it sounds. And we'll talk through how that works. But what you'll notice here is it's a d6 system. Yeah, okay. Okay. So that's what we're gonna be working with is for most of your dice rolls, 3d6. And then we'll figure out your stuff from there. So let's talk through some of your abilities. All right. All right. So accuracy is your aim and precision. It's how well you can hit things at range. Okay. Okay. Communication is your social skills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Constitution okay. is health and resistance, kind of the normal stuff all games use for constitution. Yeah. Dexterity, agility and reaction time, and gracefulness. Fighting is close combat, so that's going to be like brawl and we- like hand-to-hand weapons, mm-hmm. melee weapons. Um, intelligence is reasoning, memory, and problem solving. Perception is noticing things, which you know that one from D&D and others. Strength is muscle power and knowing how to apply it correctly. And then willpower is self-control, discipline, that sort of thing. But it also can be confidence outside of communication. 
Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm seeing score zero, two, one, three, blah. Yes. Out of what? Um, so the scale goes from negative two to four. Okay. So four would be exceptionally crazy good. Got it. So if you have threes and things, those are really, really good. Anything positive is decent. A score of one is considered average for player characters. All right. Okay. So what are your character's strong abilities? So starting at the top, I rely on my smarts mostly. My intelligence is three. Yeah, because you have an academic background, so definitely your character reflects that quite a bit. And I have two foci under intelligence. Okay. Which are medicine and security. Awesome. Makes sense. So your focuses or foci would be, or foci if you prefer, you know, everyone has their preferences. Yeah. The book does say focuses. Focuses. Which is like, that's fine. Your folk topities. Your folk topities. <laughs> um, folk are... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, that's what's going to determine when you were looking at that character sheet section with the role. Mm-hmm. Focus bonus. You get that bonus, the plus two, if your focus covers that thing you're trying to do. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Awesome. So next, you'll notice that there are some other characters. Sorry. What the fuck was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that? That's a 50 DKP minus. <laughs> Sorry, right. I'm a fidgeter, man. I no, fidget okay. with stuff. <laughs> so um, some of the other characteristics that have numbers are going to be your speed, which is how fast you move. Your defense is the target number that enemies are rolling against to try to hit you. Okay. So that's like the difficulty to hit you, basically. Um, toughness is going to subtract the damage you would normally take from incoming attacks. It's kind of your soak. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, fortune is your luck. You know I love systems that have luck. Right. So that's your luck. Um, you can use it to negate damage, prevent serious injuries, and help you in certain tough situations. Um, it's a pool that you spend. Like luck. (laughs) Um, Relationships, you already saw, is any special connections you have and any special abilities they grant. And then income is how much your character can afford. So you would make an income test, which is 3d6 plus your income rating. And the target number you're rolling against is the cost to see if you can afford it outright. So it's not like a pool of money. You're not tracking GP or something like that. You're just so, like, I'm kind of rich, so I'm more likely to succeed on affording things. Okay. That's basically how it works. So, let's talk about dice rolls, because that's what everyone wants to know about. That's what everyone wants to know about. Everybody. That's, that's just the hotness right now. It's the elite hotness. So hot right now. All right. So, a basic test would be rolling to see if you can do something that is not contested in any way. Okay, so what you're going to do for that is you're going to have your 3D6, you're going to roll that, and then you're going to add to that value your ability score. Mm -hmm. And then if you have a focus, you're going to add two more to that. Right. That's it. 
So if you were going to dodge around something, for example, not necessarily your character's strong suit, right? Right. You're going to roll 3d6, add your dexterity score, and then if you had a focus like acrobatics or something you could justify, you would add two. Yeah. Okay. Now, what you're trying to make sure that you're rolling, what you're comparing that number is to is the target number. So high numbers are good to roll. This is a rollover system. Right. Rollover. Okay. Like a dog. Right. So if a target number is high, that means it's something that's more difficult. So much more in line with like D&D. You mm-hmm. want to roll over the DC, right? Right. Um, now, there are things that can give you bonuses and things that can give you penalties. Um, so that's pretty standard in most systems, but that would just be adjusted for like environmental factors or having the right tool or whatever it is. Okay. Now, opposed tests are pretty straightforward, but obviously that's when a character is actively working to thwart what you're doing, right? And so it's your skill versus their skill. And in that scenario, instead of comparing results to the target number, it's highest roll wins. So that's the basics of it. Here's the other thing. You'll notice like we've been talking about the basic rule, if you have nothing else to add to it, no matter what, is 3d6. Two of those d6, normal, whatever d6 you want to use. But one of the d6s needs to look different. It can be a different size, different color, whatever works for you. But one of them is your drama die. It has to be discernible from the other two. Yes. Okay. So kind of like a new vampire, I don't know how familiar you are with it. There's a hunger die. Every time you make a roll, you have hunger dice that you add to your pool. Never heard of that. I'm into it. Okay. I need to play that immediately. <laughs> well, like, maybe shut we'll this shit next. off. We're going to play right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty great. Just um, kidding. But, but we do need to play. In this game, in this system, and I've played around with other um, games that use this same setup, But when you roll your 3d6, the different die is your drama die. You are making a roll, you're rolling 3d6. If you get matching numbers on two or more of the dice, Mm -hmm. you get stunt points. Stunt points. All right, so I'm gonna hand you another handout for while I talk about this. It's a little blurry, but it's just because I had to cut and paste some things all into one page. Yay, handouts. Okay. Oh, you're right. It is a little blurry. Yeah. I'll give you the actual document for when we're playing, but this is just so you can see them all in the same place. So what you'll notice is there's combat stunts, which is where you have the most of, but there's also social and exploration stunts. Hmm. So you can get stunt points for any type of test. Okay. By rolling doubles. The number of stunt points is equal to whatever you rolled on your drama die. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that'll be like a lot. So it can be anywhere between one and six, obviously, because it's 3d6, right? Oh, okay. It's equal to the number you rolled that matched, not the total. Just the number on the drama die. Right. The one that's the weird die. Oh. Oh. 
Okay, gotcha. So here, let's you, do a quick you roll, example. You roll doubles or triples. Just, yeah. just let me make, okay. So I roll 3d6 and I get doubles or triples. Mm-hmm. The number of stunt points I get or whatever is on the drum and die. Yes. So it's basically the number that I rolled. Um, just on that die. On that die. So if I roll doubles on the other two and my drama die shows a one, I get one stunt point. Exactly. Even if my doubles were six. Right. Got but it. if your drama die is part of your doubles, right. it's still whatever is on the drama die. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Tracking. Okay. Tracking. So you can spend fewer stunt points than what you get, but the stunt points that you earn on that roll... And notice it's not, it's kind of the equivalent of a critical. Rolling doubles is like critting. You don't have to roll all sixes to crit. You just have to succeed and roll doubles. So again, rolling three ones probably won't give you stunt points because it's probably not a success in most cases. You have to succeed. You have to succeed for the stunt points to be there. Okay. Okay. So let's say you are in combat, right? Okay. Um, you, I'm just going to assume that you're a nerd um, and you're weak, so you don't know how guns work. That's not true of your character, but I'm just using this as an example. And so a guy runs in the room and it startles you and you throw your weapon at his head, right? <laughs> yeah. And let's say you happen to succeed rolling, you rolled three threes, right? So it's obviously doubles, your drama die is a three. You have three stunt points that you can spend. So you'd look at the combat stunt list and you know you can spend anything that's up to a three or you can split it and do anything that adds up to three. But you can't go into four territory. That's the only thing. Unless you can argue that your relationship grants you the extra point because it would be helping the crew of the song. Ah. Okay. Okay. Because then you can increase your stunt points by one. Right. See, if you can make an argument for like a focus or just in that one instance, like in particular, like could I argue it for my drive? So relationship stunts can be like you can add that point once per session. Um, Anytime you do something that is in character to affect that relationship in the way described on your sheet. Got it. So yes, there are a lot of things where you could justify it helps your crewmates somehow, but you can only do it once per session. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, you're spending stunts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, things that I would tell you about the system based on what I've read so far, I would say, and I think you'd probably agree, that some every system tends to have a focus. Like some things are like combat focused, some are exploration focused, some are socially focused. Or really, they could go either way, but you most people make an adventure that swings one way or another. This adventure, I don't know about the game as a whole, because obviously we're only running with the quick start. The adventure is definitely investigation exploration focused with opportunities to either social and or combat your way through things after that point. So it's an exploration investigation type of thing. Yes. And our poll decided to give me a character with a perception of one. Probably because I talked so much shit (laughs) about how you need to maximize spot hidden or whatever Mm -hmm. it is and have some kind of investigative skill. 
So I, here's uh, the thing. I lucked out with average yeah. perception. They actually were pretty nice to you because if I recall correctly, you do have a decent communication. Like your socials aren't bad. No, my socials are are pretty good. Yeah. It's just my perception is they gave you, average. They gave you a character that is going into a highly populated area that you're from where you're going to be trying to get into places and get information. Right. <laughs> so you have security focus and social focus, mm. which gives mm-hmm. you a lot of opportunities to avoid combat if you want to. Right, which makes sense right. for this guy because he's not a combat-y kind of dude. And I don't... No, I'm not. I, I'm not trying to complain. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to call out how I'm always harping mm-hmm. on about perception. Is all because this character is great. Yeah, no, he's I'm really. I'm super fun. stoked about this character. So, here's the thing: compared to some of the investigation games we've played, or though semi-similar, and I think, but what's hard for players that are coming from like the D and D world and things like that, where a lot of times roles are fed to you, right? Where it's like, your party's walking through a place, and then the DM will be like, okay, everyone make a perception check. Even though no one said they were keeping an eye out for anything, right? And so I think those situations kind of encourage people not to think about what their character is doing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because you'll get told if something happens. You don't have to worry about it. Sit back, enjoy the story. Roll some dice if they tell you to, right? Right. But in a lot of these games, like I think Call of Cthulhu is really the same way in a lot of respects. I'm going to give you the story that you know, and then I will not give you any options about how to pursue that. You're going to tell me what you want to do. And that could be talking to people or using your, what's the stupid communicator things called? Oh, hand terminal? Hand terminals. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No one has a phone. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, like, you're going to be like, oh, I want to, like, basically do the equivalent of a Google search on blah or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So, you are giving me a lot of that stuff. Now, if you're stuck, I can suggest some options. Um, But for the most part, it's very open-ended. And you can choose how you handle the leads that you have. But unlike other games, when I... When I tell you the intro to the story, those are all your clues that you start with. Oh. So that's all the information your character has is Uh, in the intro. And then it's up to you from there. Yeesh. Mm -hmm. All right. No, that'll be pretty cool because I'll have to see what my takeaways are from the, the intro. And as long as you can be nice enough to like, did I get the right three or whatever main clues? Right then we're good. I think, and this is generally true, I mean, this is kind of a session zero chatty chat, so I'm not I'm not feeling bad going into it. Since it's a one-on-one game, or, you know, like a duet adventure, it's more important for me as the person running the game to make sure that you have what you need, because there's not a group of you discussing it to make sure you have consensus. Yeah, or you know? <laughs> to, to figure stuff out or, you know, right. someone to suggest a whatever and then all yeah. that kind of stuff. There's one person who has to notice all the things. So really, we're going to act like it's two people noticing the things, except 
I won't offer as much unless I notice that you're having a tough time. Hmm. Okay. Um, or if you ask me, obviously, or be like, this is what I took as the main things. Am I missing something? I will absolutely answer that question. Yeah. I'll usually do like a recap from my notes. Yeah. Of, so I picked up this, this, and this. That's the basics of the system. If you want to do something that potentially isn't simple, because if it's simple, you just do it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to roll. But if there's something you're trying to work against, security on a door, um, getting information that's not surface level available, convincing people to give you information when they're not friendly, you have to roll for those things. And it's always 3D6. One of the dice has to be different because that's your drama die. That's it. Okay. And then there's, it's always 3D6. There's sometimes an ability score. So it's always 3D6, but you're going to add numbers to your total. Got it. So you only roll 3D6 right. for All your right. tests. Yeah. Okay, cool. That seems really straightforward. And there is one interesting thing. Yes. That under dexterity, mm-hmm. like you know how in a lot of systems, your race or origin or clan or whatever specific thing that you pick right. will give you various bonuses yeah. to stuff? Yes. I think that and this is just the quick start but when we look at the full game it'd be interesting to see because belter characters it comes up so many times in the book Mm -hmm. where it's like this character grew up in the belt so moving around in zero g is just something they're like good at Mm -hmm. so i mean it Clearly, I'm paraphrasing because that, right. that, that, that's, that's exactly not gonna, what it says in the book. Like, they're just, they're just hella good. <laughs> that's not going to be, yeah, you do a text search. It's not a direct quote, but mm-hmm. it's the gist of it. It comes up a lot, multiple times. Right. So I would, if it's not in there, I would totally house rule that you get a focus of like zero G movement or something under so your dexterity a skill. a lot of belters do. Unfortunately, you're kind of an upper class belter. You didn't spend a lot of time in that stuff. You grew up on Ganymede with artificial gravity, with all of that stuff, with good medical care, and you weren't working in zero G areas, except for in your little sort of criminal life as you started doing stuff with the OPA. So your experience is actually more limited with that than other belter characters. So a lot of other belters. Like the the other belter in your crew has a much higher dex than you do. Much higher dex. Hers is a dex three. Yeah. Move around in Mm -hmm. zero G and stuff like that. Okay. Because you can also train to to do zero G fighting Mm -hmm. like Martian Marines and stuff like that. Spend they (laughs) they spend like six months or something doing zero G power armor training. Yeah. Um the Martian in your crew has a dexterity focus. Nice. Super cool, man. I mean, I'm glad a lot of that stuff is coming up. So it's not something you get just for being a belter, but you have a higher chance of having that if you're a belter. Well, you can justify it, right? And like I said, we haven't really seen how character creation works, but from Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing of the other characters, and I'll let you see them so that you kind of know who your crew member's on in case you want to call on somebody. Yeah. Um, Because you should all be in communication with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But they 
you can definitely see how it's kind of plugged in to the different categories and it, it kind of makes sense. I can see probably how character creation sort of works right. based on what these look like. Yeah, that's what I was getting at is the fact that it's there on some belters and not in others just suggests that it's a thing in the game where you're like, cool, I'm going to be a belter and then it's going to be like, all right, cool, choose from this, that, blah, you know, and you can choose these different things. So, and that's one of them, depending on the type of character you want to create. And so if you're going to be one of the 99% belters, you're probably going to have a bonus to that. And then I don't know if there's actual like flaws type of things or something like that, but like a lot of belters, you know, poor, they don't get the like bone growth, you know, or muscle stimulant like drugs when they're infants and stuff like that. So they don't develop the same way. And so there's just a lot of cool flavor with that that I think, based on what we're seeing in the quick start, is going to be fleshed out and cool in the, in the full game. So, without further ado, we'll wrap up this kind of session zero, mm-hmm. as we often do with a part of the intro to the game. Okay. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's pretty long. You don't need to pay that much attention to it yet because we're not going to get into your clues. All right, so don't get all note-taking mode. Just enjoy. I will say it does start with like giving you background on what Ganymede Station is, which I'm sure you don't need. <laughs> so it's fine. Um, but you and your crew run the Somalia. It's a small cargo ship that makes runs throughout the belt and outer planets. And you've been bringing and taking shipments from Ganymede um, to various locations in that region. One of your regular clients is Amalthea Ambrosias, a corporation based on Titan that supplies luxury items. So wine, cheese, chocolate, other things from Earth and Mars that most belters don't really care much about because they're just too expensive to be worth anything for them. Now, Amalthea is run by the Dardanus family, and the Dardanus family has lost their heir apparent. The patriarch of the family has tasked you with looking for his son. Um, He took off from Titan after his 18th birthday and disappeared. They've been searching for him for about a year with no leads until his access codes were used to log into a company system. The login was brief, but traced back to Ganymede. So that is where we'll be beginning your adventure. It's cool because they drew from, drew a little bit, you know, from the beginning. It's of, a little Julie Mao. Yeah, the, <laughs> the expense. Like, whoa, this, you know, heir apparent missing for a while now. And now this guy gets tasked with, um, with finding her. And you go from there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So again, just kind of a little snippet from that intro. We'll get into the full thing in our next session. Um, But for now, we really hope that this was an interesting kind of look into the Quick Start and the Expanse RPG system in general so that you feel familiar as we start playing with what's going on. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out there. Feel free to ax this in post. Sure. But it occurs to me that um, if there's stuff, you know, if you have questions or just want to talk about it or whatever, you know, hit us up on Twitter. 
either or both whatever happy to talk about this kind of stuff as you can see i love talking about this so he loves talking shut up rainy (laughs) (laughs) but no if there's just something you want to talk about or if i like flubbed an expanse fact and it's making you feel some type of way hit me up let's talk about it all right so speaking of if you want to get a hold of me um, feed me ideas, ask me questions, or generally talk about nerdy things. I am on Twitter at Barbarian Rainy. And you can hit me up on Twitter at Rangu Giri. And links to both of those are in the description. So it's real easy. Just a click away, fam. Hit me up. And if you want to be involved in the process that lets you hear the between session episodes, um, behind the scenes stuff, or voting on characters for Santiago to have to endure. You can check us out on patreon.com slash just barbarian things. And until next time, everyone, spend your rage wisely. And finish medical school. Neighbors, stop working on your yards. God, be lazy. I know it's sun. Don't honk at me. All right. Or work, work outside later yeah. in the middle of the day when it's a billion Record degrees. Record a podcast. Stop being outside in the good weather. Jeez. Jeez. Oh my God! I keep <sighs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is so hilarious.